I don't know if I can do that. Is it a click? What are you doing? This is a... Is that it? Yeah, it's like out of the side of my mouth. Uh, what am I connecting now? It's a, my cheek and mine. Where's your tongue at? Oh, no. I don't like to tell you because then it ruins the surprise. Welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and new movie news, all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and rename a major football team. You're next, Cleveland. My name is Chris Triebel. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. It probably should. I mean, the Browns is not, not for like racist reasons, but just like, what is a Brown? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. But you know, the Indians, that's totally fine. The last couple episodes, we've mentioned this short that we covered, Zero Issue, that was directed by Jim Fagan and made by the New York Picture Company. And we did, we actually got a chance to interview Jim and the producer, Ali Keller. Uh, it was a fantastic interview, all about the process of making this film. So once we kind of get done with this, we'll, we'll kind of zip right into it. But um, I, it's a, it's a rocking good time, wouldn't you say? I thought it was fine. Yeah, great. Fantastic. That's way to, you know what? I like that. You don't bury the lead. That's good. All right. So without further ado, here it is. Enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. We're still waiting on Jim, I yeah, think. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. Jim would be the last to join, wouldn't he? <laughs> Got to make an entrance. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? How's your quarantine life? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, killing it. I've been slowly working on what I call my quarantine tub, which is like the gym's closed. And <laughs> I just don't know what to do. Awesome. <laughs> Are you like doing any kind of work at all or are you just hanging out or what? I am. I'm actually working a lot. I'm super grateful that my day job went remote, which was awesome. Um, and I have two films that luckily just crossed into post-production right before this. So we like have managed to <laughs> stay afloat with that and then getting some writing done. So I was one of the very lucky people that like sort of everything I needed to do in person cleared like days before like March 7th, like right as everything was shutting down. That's amazing. That's so lucky. Totally not complaining about <laughs> any of that for sure. What about you guys? You go first. Go okay, ahead. great. Go for it. I was very fortunate because about a week before everything exploded, my son was born. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. If he had been born even like, I think three days later, I wouldn't have been able to be in the room. Wow. So I was very fortunate yeah. that all sort of worked out. That's great. I am not working at all, but that's okay. Because <laughs> I found out shortly after this all went down that my wife is pregnant. So she has been like going through a first trimester which has wow. been a little rough and we have yeah. a two-year-old so you know we have a toddler running around and she's like nauseous and headaches and tired all day so the fact that i'm home all the time is actually a blessing in disguise it's great too cause... though because i've been saying that like the one thing that this show needed was us to be more tired <laughs> it works out really well <laughs> it's good Allie, you and i have actually worked together do you remember me yeah i was gonna say you look very familiar to me i read your name and i was like i don't know this person and i looked i like went to your <laughs> website and i saw your face and i was like oh, i i do i know this person i don't know why and i looked everywhere and i couldn't figure it out and then i was like 
why don't I just search my Gmail? I was like, if we know each other, there's a good chance that you're in my email somewhere. And sure enough, yeah, that's I was in uh, audience participation, which Jim directed. That's what it was. Yeah. For Because for a second, I was like, you weren't on the zero issue set. Right. But it felt gym related. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like, what did we, how do I... That's so funny. That feels like a, a million, million years, years yeah. ago. A million years ago. <laughs> the last ago. email I had from you was seven years ago. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. That's so crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope this isn't weird. I did do some, like, research on, on both of you guys to sort of get some, some questions. <laughs> it's okay. And, like, a deep dive into your career is so wild because you're... I've done a lot of weird stuff. I've done a lot of things. It's not even that it's weird, but, like, my favorite thing... <laughs> is the juxtaposition between... I guess we're just... Let's just start. And if Jim wants to show up, he can. My favorite thing (laughs) is that the juxtaposition between you and Jim in your resumes, Jim's website is like, hey, I've done these like three big things. Your resume on your site is seven pages long. And I don't even know where to begin (laughs) to like... I, I would like you to give us like a rundown of what you think the highlights are. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I just like uploaded my CV to that a while ago and was like, if somebody is feeling committed that day or doesn't have much to do, <laughs> they'll read through it. Um, yeah. uh, the, I had like, I've had a very strange trajectory. Like I got out and I was focusing on theater directing and slowly that became writing and then slowly that became writing and producing film. So like my highlights are weird and all over the place, but I got to do a ton of great stuff. Like I know Jim from working at um, a small theater company, but we did a bunch of live from Lincoln Center projects together. And I got to PA on Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, which was really fun. That was like my big Broadway credit or whatever was being like coffee getter on that show when I was, (laughs) but I like loved it. And I still look back at those memories very, very fondly. I mean, Zero Issue was a a huge highlight for me. That was the first, (laughs) my first time on a film set. And Jim gave me a ridiculous amount of responsibility on the project. (laughs) And I've been developing a play of mine for the last couple of years. And I've had sort of the two highlights of it, the very original version we did had just like a group of actors that I loved. It was just that miracle timing thing where like everybody in it were people that I'd like seen on a TV show or seen in a show and had loved for years. And they happened to know the director and like, which was a really exciting thing. And then um, when we rewrote it this past time and we did the reading back in March, we had Will Rogers read for the lead. And it was in my, in the back of my mind, it was developed for him. So it was like the first time I ever got to hear an actor read something that was technically written for them, which was a very cool and different experience. So I think those are all sort of the highs of it. Zero issue being the standout of like, it it was all the things that is like the quintessential story. It was like, I emailed Jim out of nowhere after like us getting like split career trajectories on stuff being like, Hey, can you just meet me for coffee and explain film? Like, I think that's the email I sent. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, can you just explain it to me? Like, I need to start making money. Can you tell me? I've heard films exist. What are they? The motion pictures. Tell me what you're doing. The talkies. Yeah. (laughs) They're using sound. I hear they're in color now. Is that correct? And he sat with me for like two hours and we were just talking about film. And he was like, oh, do you want to do, I think they had just fundraised for Zero Issue. And he was like, do you want to work on it? And I was like, sure. Thinking I would like, 
be coffee getter again. That was like my rising <laughs> thing. You're like, here's my resume. I can get coffee. I can get tea. <laughs> I can do it all, really. And then I got an email from Jim with Matt and Zaxi Seed saying that I was interviewing for the associate producer position. And I think I texted Jim and I was like, was I not clear that I have no experience? This feels like a real job. It's a real title. Before we get too far into Zero Issue, I do want to ask another question about something I actually found you said there was a I found a podcast that you were on another one. And you had said that you at the time would introduce yourself to people as a playwright. And I want to know since you've done so much, and like three years before that, that was probably not the case. Yeah, is that still the case now? Uh, it is still the case now. I say I'm a writer now. I, I'll say I'm a writer and a, a producer now since it's been time. I don't even remember doing that podcast recording. That's very <laughs> disturbing, but uh, it's out there. I stand by everything I said. <laughs> it was the Actor Bro podcast? Oh, yeah. That was like a, a college friend of mine who was doing a, a yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah. That was, was that like the drunk story I told about calling myself a playwright? Did I tell that story? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe they cut it out. They might have. <laughs> Just to clarify, was the story about you being drunk or were you drunk when you told yeah. the story? <laughs> it's confusing because I don't remember doing the podcast. Um, oh, okay, no, I, uh, I was sober at the time telling the story. But the joke of um, the theater company I was working with in my early career that I had been with for a very long time sort of watched me realize that I was a writer as opposed to a director. And they had a running pool going about when I would figure that out. No one thought to like sit me down and have a conversation, but they had like bets going. So when they made me a resident artist at the company, <laughs> I had like to pick- up, but- <laughs> Yes, it is. It's it super is. fucked up and not fine. <laughs> um, I, we've had many conversations about how I wish anyone clued me in. It would have saved me some time, but The winner okay. should have at least given you some of the winners. <laughs> right? So when I had to be listed as a resident artist, I had to like say if I wanted to be resident director or resident writer, because I'd been writing with them a little bit. So I was really excited and I didn't know they were going to do that. So I went out with a friend of mine after who was like starting her shift at a restaurant and I just got like hammered to celebrate and I didn't know anybody who was around us. So I started introducing myself as a playwright to see how I felt about it. Like, that's how I made my big career shift. I was like, I'm blacked out. I'm never going to see you again. Like, yeah, I write plays. And then I found out about the pool because my friend at the company had emailed everybody else being like, I just want everyone to know Ali's blacked out and telling everyone she's a playwright. And like everybody's response was like, who had three years on the bit, like all the, and I was like, fuck you guys. Like, but that was like, that was how I found my calling or whatever per se, but yeah, it's all good. That's great. I mean, there are many writers who have found their calling through drinking till blackout. So you're in good company. Yeah. Really. That's what I figured. Yeah. You know, it's all good. You're up there with the greats now. That's how you can measure up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have something something to talk about. But yeah, I think that was that was what I was referring to was I was telling a bunch of strangers to see. <laughs> how I felt about my life choices. That's great. I also wanted to ask, uh, and this is sort of a joke question, but I couldn't resist. What's it like to share a title with Jim's infant son on the IMDb (laughs) page of Zero Issue? (laughs) Uh, um, Honestly, like, fine. It's totally fine. Given the fact that I was hired, like, with no, uh, they should not 
have hired me for this position. You and the son had the same amount of experience at the job. A hundred percent. But probably not the same amount of responsibilities. No. What were some of the things that you had to do on this job that you had to learn from scratch? All of it. Literally all of it. But like what? I don't even know what it takes. <laughs> we're also going to apply for associate producer positions after this. Yeah, we so got if you could. For zero issue. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Let me help you. I think the first meeting that we had was like, creating like a preliminary like list of shots that Jim wanted to do and they were talking about the script which I think I had read like an earlier version of to interview but not the version we were working off to do this and they like put the computer in front of me to like type in all these things and I was like I don't know what I'm looking at and I I don't even know enough words in the sentences coming out of your mouth to put them into the excel and I was like terrified after I left that meeting because I was like I need to learn a new language, apparently, and like went home and Googled everything that I didn't know. But it was like pretty much everything from like being at all the production meetings and taking a lot of notes and also helping build shot lists and then like going through that stuff with Zach and making sure like everything that everybody had needed or mentioned or asked about or thought of or would think to think of based on that and based on what we know of their personalities later and like seeing what we could get, what we'd have to say no to, what we could anticipate. And like just doing that like across departments for every meeting after everything, as well as like catering and logistical planning. And then something I didn't know because I don't didn't know what film sets were, but there was like a transitional point between pre-production and obviously when we're going to set to film and the night before we went up and I was driving up with the AD just we were shooting upstate Jim was like okay so we're handing this over to you like you two tomorrow it's your set and I was like I don't know what that means nor am I like prepared for this in any way shape or form I was like what so we like had that it was like a big meeting we're all doing that and he said that and I was like okay and then we got in the car the AD Drew and I got in the car and like it was very early we're driving up because we're trying to beat people up there and I turned to him and I was like I don't know what the fuck that means. I was like, what am I doing tomorrow? Like, what am I walking into? Cause it's been like Zach and I going hand in hand on stuff, but obviously he's an actor in the film and I know he's going to step away. But I was like, when they're saying, when they're saying it's our set, like it feels like, you know, your half. So like, what is my half? And basically what that was, was just running. Like we were shooting across three locations simultaneously for most of the time. So I was like at base making sure like just like anticipating the day across all departments and everything and trying to make sure like when people arrived, they'd have what they needed and then like continued. I was awake for like 48 hours. So again, this is one of those things where I was like, I did a lot of stuff. I'm a little fuzzy on the exact things. At what point did you get blackout drunk and start introducing yourself as an associate producer? (laughs) Um, I definitely wasn't drunk, but I'm sure I did like blackout from exhaustion towards the end of day three. Like I'm sure said something crazy to someone about like where they were supposed to be. At that point then, did you start to feel like, you know, you started to find your own rhythm or your own way of running a set as opposed to trying to look to someone to, to tell you how to run a set or, or what to do or what should be done? Yeah, I think like Drew and I, because we had like four or five hours in the car had gone up and been like, he was like, basically it's doing what you've been doing, which is just like 
being two steps ahead of people. And then like when they get there, everything's already there and you're on to the next thing. And I was like, okay, cool. And we like talked through what each one of us would be doing and like our communication plan. So when we got up there, there was no time to think about anything. So I can't necessarily say I have like my own style versus anybody else's. Your instinct just kind of kicked in. Yeah. And I think like, it's where I learned a lot of like, I actually like this job a great deal because I happen to be fairly type A. So like getting things done, crossing off the list, getting people where they need to be doing that stuff is like a little second nature. And this is just operating in like emergency mode <laughs> with that in mind. But Was there a moment on the set where you were doing something and then, you know, it kind of clicked and you're like, oh, I got this. I'm a producer now. I, this is it. Like, I totally get how to do it. Um, no. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the closest I had to that was just because there was just so much going on. So there wasn't even really a ton of time to take stock. But I think there was one day in the middle of the, I don't know if it was the first or second shoot now, where we had got, we had finished the day and Drew and I were kind of always the last to leave set and we were driving to dinner. <laughs> at like midnight, like a ridiculous time. And I would, I just remember turning to him, they'd like, you need to take me back to the house right now. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, we're shooting the party tomorrow and none of the food is cooked. We're starting. I was like, you need to take me to the house right now. And he was like, okay. I was like, have someone bring me dinner. And I just like was in the, and like the guys were great. Cause like, Drew got to dinner and Jim and Matt and Zach were all like, where's Allie? And Drew was like, I'm going to bring her dinner because she just realized we don't have food for tomorrow. So she's going to do that. And they like <laughs> all came and brought me like a ridiculous amount of food and like some cider. And we're like, that's great. They were great. They were like, we got this. And I was like, everybody shut up and get away from me. I was like, not in the mood <laughs> because of this like situation. Right. But it was like one of the sweetest things. And I just like couldn't take it. <laughs> but I think like the moment in the car where I was like, turn around, like we need that anticipation, I think was the one moment. Uh, yeah, where that, again, that instinct kind of kicks in and yeah. you're like, I know exactly what I need to know in this moment yeah, right yeah. now. Which was fun and insane. Like every shoot I've done after that has felt so much easier because this was like everything you shouldn't do on an indie shoot. It's like effects and superheroes and huge party scenes and outdoors and like dogs and babies. Like every, <laughs> on the list of everything that people say you shouldn't work with. It was everything. So now when people are like, this shoot feels so crazy. I'm like, let me tell you about the time we trucked 30 people upstate <laughs> and we ran around in leotards for three days. Like your shoot's going to be fine. It's going to be This great. is, I've checked off everything on the list. <laughs> yeah. You cannot scare me with your movie. <laughs> as soon as it wrapped, like, was that the moment? Did you feel like as soon as the whole thing was over, you were like, yeah, all right, I did it. Like, I know I can do this. No. No. But, I but think you did part of it. But you had done it. <laughs> we had done it. I, the feeling didn't kick in until honestly, until a couple of days after that, because part of my job was also the logistics of getting everybody home. Oh. So my brain very much like I was passed out in the car for a little bit, but as when I was awake, my brain was like, if I can just know everyone gets home without any car accidents, that's all I need. I just need everybody safe. I just need to know everyone's going to be safe. And like, as soon as I heard everybody arrive safely, I was like, we did it. 
But it was like a, it was like an extra day and a half for me to be like, okay. Uh, and you had said that on future sets, you were like, oh, I've done all this insane stuff before. This is not necessarily, maybe not a cakewalk, but like, I know how to do this. Yeah. yeah. It gave me a lot of confidence in a lot of things. And part of it is just like the funniest thing I think about film, which is for me different than theater is like, it's so much just like, telling yourself repeatedly it's gonna work and then just like not totally having a plan until it forms which is oftentimes at the last minute but it's like lying to yourself and others so it's been fun to be like the person on other people's shoots that's been like no it's gonna be fine we're gonna figure it out and it's gonna be and like (laughs) knowing that like you are working we're all working and we will get there but like to not be the person who's like everything feels like it's on fire i don't know what's going on so it's nice. It's nice to be able to be that person on other people's teams. Fire on your rom-com. <laughs> yeah, like shooting. We did this great shoot in an office for short back in February. And the team was like very stressed out about getting office space. And I was like, oh my God, guys, it's fine. We're going to find office space. <laughs> it's so simple. Yeah, there's tons of it. I was like, New York City. Right. This, you can't throw a rock without hitting office space. I was like, this is this is the best thing. Like, we're not worried about like, how we're going to make Matt levitate realistically <laughs> in the shop. I was like, yeah, we'll get the office. He's like, guys, fine. <laughs> so like, so like a lot of that stuff, I was like, it's fine. Like, well, a hundred percent, this will work out. Yeah. Well, we need a desk. <laughs> yeah. You know what's hard to find? A lake. That's what's hard to find. A lake, a dog that can, you know, work with us. They can sit still long enough to shoot lasers out of its eyes. Yeah. You know, things like that make you really appreciate the shoots that are like, yeah, we'll get an office. Well, Does the office need to blow up? No? Fine. <laughs> yeah, fine. You only need four extras. We're good. You're I gotta, fine. I got them in my apartment. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that was like the what? That's what I felt more like a producer is on that shoot where they were like, how are we going to get all these extras? And I was like, I can have the extras here in 30 minutes if we needed to. Like, relax. You don't need that many people. Which you don't know until you do it the first time or like you do anything the first time. But yeah, that was just like every it was what made it fun, but it was also like what made it insane at the same time. One of the things that I really liked that you said in, in that same podcast before as well was that you were talking about handing scripts to actors and directors and sort of giving letting them like do sort of their own thing with it while maintaining the integrity of the script. And one of the things I really like that you said is that if I wanted to tell the story exactly the way I wrote it on the page, I would either write a book or a graphic novel. And I like that, like, you are now, instead of writing a graphic novel on this, you are doing a mockumentary (laughs) based on comic books, which I really liked. That's so funny. I forgot that I've said that, but I have said that a couple times. So that one I remember. We've already established you were drunk on that podcast. (laughs) I don't know. Um... Yeah, no, it was fun. I was definitely the outsider in terms of my superhero and comic book knowledge pre this. I had to play a lot of catch up in order to to make sense of a lot of the jokes that were happening on the production team. But what is a TV show or a movie that you're like, this is underappreciated and everyone needs to know what this is because it's a work of art or like a book or like a graphic novel or anything or a play? I will say this. I just actually just rewatched it because the second season's coming out, but Umbrella Academy. Dude, I feel like it is underappreciated. I am obsessed with that show. I literally have the comics on my desk right here to read them because I haven't yet. It's so good. And I am upset that everyone I talk to has 
has not seen it. You're like the only two people out of like 30 that has watched season one, which is insane. I don't understand how Tiger King makes it and then on the Umbrella Academy somehow <laughs> goes under the radar. <laughs> All right, we have our sequel guest because we've taken up half the show already, but Jim Fagan has decided to Whoa. grace us with his presence. Jim is doing? finally here. <laughs> I was waiting to be let in. Jim, have you have you seen Umbrella Academy at all? No, what is Umbrella Academy? Oh my god. Jim. Sorry, I should go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming. Anyway, uh, deleted Umbrella Academy is uh, is a newish show on Netflix that is uh, based on a graphic novel by Gerard Way, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Oh, no way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. The only reason I know it, this is going to be a weird piece of information about me, is that my sister is in a band called Mindless Self-Indulgence, and the bass player of that band is married to Gerard Way. Oh, so they're doing fine. Yeah, they're great. (laughs) So what season's the show in? Is it like uh, Go Binge It Now kind of thing? It just started. We got one season out. They're about to start, I think in like a week or something, they're bringing out the second season. Yeah. It's a show about... This, like, old man found out that there were kids who had superpowers who were all, like, born on the same day. So he basically just went around and bought them from their parents so that he could train them as they aged. And, like, as you can imagine, the family dynamic of him and these kids that he's raised is super fucked up. But you start it at them as adults. They've all, like gone their own separate ways like one of them's like a drug addict one of them lives on the moon like they're all doing their own like crazy fucked up thing and then their dad the like guy who collected them dies so they all come back basically for his funeral and that's basically where it picks up it's so good so the basic premise is like charles xavier fucked up the x-men oh can i curse on your podcast (laughs) yes you can curse i said you can say anything in the email of course you fucking curse what the fuck the fucking internet <laughs> yeah so you can say whatever you want jim right yeah so uh, speaking of the fucking internet i'm gonna switch to a better wi-fi connection this is going great so i think we can all agree i'll, I'll it should not kick me off i want to make sure i have the best of wi-fi connections for all of us what, is it your neighbor's wi-fi <laughs> the next thing we see is jim bacon in a starbucks <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Hey. Uh, so my understanding of this podcast is that all of this will be left in, correct? That's, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. What we're doing. We don't have room to cut out. <laughs> I, I do so much editing. On an hour-long episode, I usually do about six to seven hours of editing. So, like, it's the only way we can sound listenable. So don't you worry. I'm going to leave it in intentionally. But the stuff that is actually bad, I'm going to cut out. <laughs> okay, good. Great. Well, I look forward to Umbrella Academy. It sounds really you really should watch good. it it's very good it's so good it's so, and the so whole good. soundtrack is my chemical romance that's very exciting as well <laughs> they couldn't afford the licensing for that somehow <laughs> i don't know why it's, just, it's their first and second album the whole time it's <laughs> helena over and over again <laughs> yeah i knew a my chemical romance album what amazing jim <laughs> yes. thank you for joining us thank you for having me and ali good to see you can i ask you my first question yeah let's dive right in no softballs. It's an easy one. Where's my DVD? Oh, gosh. Well, I got the Pony Express. I called them up. I asked them to come by. I put the DVD on there and I said, straight to Andrew Dunn. I slapped the horse right on the ass and it took off. It rode off in to the sunset and i must have gotten stuck in the lost in the land of 2017 when right. people still second question jim words. second question are you on cocaine right now <laughs> yes it's the high of attention and I'm, I'm i'm mainlining it straight into my body no okay a sincere answer i we i i've had cold 
if you do a Kickstarter campaign, you will have cold sweats every minute of the day uh, from the moment the campaign ends until you fulfill the rewards, which will 99% of the time never appropriately happen. And you will just live the rest of your life in cold sweats. So I, oh my God, I get emails. That's from, actually true. I did yep. a campaign as well, and I can vouch for that. Being the we feeling. have a Patreon and it's the same thing, but every month. Oh, oh, so I, I definitely no. understand. Like, I'm just, I'm definitely just busting your balls on this uh, one. I, I promise. appreciate it. I, I <laughs> That's why Jim it. is in the witness protection program to hide from all the people he owes from me. Yeah, for. I've been tracking him down. If, if you could stop moving so I could come collect my DVD, that would be great. You know what is making me so happy about having Jim here? It's finally there's someone to back me up to give Andrew so much shit for an entire episode because you know, <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about because i do a pretty good job of that as it is i will do my best chris i'm here for you thank you buddy uh, you always have been and you always will be jim <laughs> tell me a little bit about zero issue oh my god uh zero issue what where to begin ali where to begin with zero issues your issue is a long journey i just talked about just like how insane set was and so if you want to talk about the actual film because I don't necessarily know that you're going to watch it off of me being like, it was crazy. Oh, the actual movie itself, the end product. Oh, I forget that yeah. it actually exists now. It's yeah. just been for years, uh, you know, it's a very long pregnancy. Yeah. Zero Issue is a superhero mockumentary that was, when we conceived of it, the first of its kind. And actually, there hasn't been many challengers, shockingly. I thought there would be like a million before we'd actually get it out. But superhero mockumentary about Dale Dinkle, lovable loser, who goes out to finally win the I'm Alone Superhero Festival, the like independent superhero festival in his town. He's tried to buy his way into success this year. It doesn't work, and he pretty much loses his shit. And we follow him and the, the sort of cast of characters around him uh, and try to, you know, it's really, you guys summed it up great when you talked about it. It's about 30 minutes of world building with a little bit of plot sort of stitched in. So it's an homage to comics. It is an homage to mockumentaries, The Office, Christopher Guest. Like it's really for Matt, Zach and I who began this and then Allie who graciously in, like found her love within it as well. It's just like a love letter to everything we love to make. We sat down four years ago and we were like, okay, we had been doing this sketch show. It was killing us. Uh, so we were like, let's make something easy like a movie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, there's a reason no one had done this before. Right, exactly. <laughs> as a short, which was the, as a, it was, should have been a feature. We were trying to pack so much into a short movie. We have enough footage just like the sheer amount of footage, like it wouldn't cut together to be a feature, but I feel like we have the same amount of footage as when you shoot a feature. It's so much footage. Hand to God, six months into the two and a half year edit, I stood <laughs> up and gave my like Colonel Patton speech to the room about how this was our shot and we should turn it into a feature and like, who's with me? And like six sets of eyes were staring back at me like, Fuck no. There is no way. I was not in that room for the record. All it'll take is a few more reshoots and you know, just we, we just and everybody was like, go to hell. It's not happening. Yeah, everyone's but... like, that's the cocaine speaking again. <laughs> Can you imagine how long if you needed yeah. a feature, how long it would take Andrew to get that DVD? That would be insane. I know. Well, we're making one DVD at a time with a hand crank. So. <laughs> All right, I do. I do have actual questions for you now. Now you've done a great job summarizing it. Everyone should. Everyone should watch it. I feel like anyone listening to this or watching this right now, they probably saw our last one or listened to our last one, and I hope they've seen it by now. But 
it, it, just turn this off and go watch it because it's really good. it's on YouTube. Like it's free. Just go watch this thing because it's it's not the first of its kind. Maybe I don't know, but I will say it's definitely the best of its kind. With having not seen any of the others. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, man. You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I I said so. After I listened to you guys do your episode on it, I think I texted Chris right away and was like, this is like one of the best things I've ever listened to. It's making me so happy. And then I emailed it to Allie and to Matt and Zach and to AJ, our editor, who poured so much of his time and life into this movie for a long time. He thought he was signing up for a 10 minute short that he could edit in a couple of weekends. And he cut a movie for two years. Yeah. So I sent it to him and I was like, you guys have to listen to this because, you know, they're all used to ignoring my emails by now. But I was like, you have to listen to this because it makes it all worth it. And, and slowly, one by one over a week, I was getting messages back being like, oh, my God, I'm finally listening. And I'm like getting chills. I'm so happy because you guys just got it. Aww. You got like everything. And we kept waiting for the shoe to drop. And you guys would be like, but it sucked. But you really, you know, <laughs> the fact that there were jokes you like, the fact that there were That's references right, yeah. that you got. Thank and, you. And, that you each had feelings but disagreements on where it should go next that's like everything it, it just was so awesome so yeah thank you thank you guys yeah for yeah oh, thanks for making this and putting it out there for us to enjoy like it's i uh, thank you for the, at any point during the like 47 years you had been working on this you all could have just been like enough's enough like let's just go home and you didn't like you didn't pick up the ball and go home you guys saw this game to the very end you you didn't throw the monopoly board on the on the ground you finished it out and screamed at each other like the family you are until you finish playing monopoly is that just my childhood there's that <laughs> no well here's what's horrifying and uh, ali back me up here i th- i'm so glad it feels that way we threw the monopoly board on the ground about every three months <laughs> and then we had to be like what did we do and we like picked up the no pieces. no no, no. Hey, there we you, go. You, you and Matt and Zach. Finally, some drama. Felt that way. Yes. Once you brought me on, we were finishing the movie. And I also like wasn't there for the let's sit down and create the idea for the movie. So I wasn't quite on the journey as long as everyone else. But like if I had to lock everyone in a room and threaten everyone, we were going to finish the film. And it never got to that point. Everybody rallied at the points of frustration really, really well. But as I never lost faith that we were going to get this done. No, Allie is 100% your your closer kind of producer. And it, that's not even fair to say because you were there for pre-pro production and post-production. So you can't, I can't even call you a closer because you were the starter too. But each one of us, when, when you have a team as large as we had and a movie that is going on and on, each one of us at various points lost heart. It's just natural where we were frustrated and and confused but Allie never did so each one of us always had a full-fledged ally and in Allie to be like oh man these two you know they don't want to do it I want to do it and Allie would pick you up and then as soon as you ran out of steam and your partner got their life back again Allie was kind of the constant through all of it so it was pretty amazing you really you really kept us going what she didn't tell you which he told us before you got on is that she was blackout drunk for the most of the whole time I don't know how you couldn't be I mean, I honestly don't know how you could be sober for one minute of that process. It, uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'm blackout drunk right now and I'm just talking about it. That's good. No, I, um, I told them before the one, uh, the one time I was ever like, no, nah, I didn't lose it by any means, but that I got close was when I realized none of the food was cooked. Oh, God almighty. And I had to cook it and I had to have Drew take me to the house. 
at that point, it was not mad. I was just like, I need to spend the next six hours cooking. No one speak to me. I can't. Was that when I came into my parents' kitchen at like midnight and you were there with like 700 frozen Tostino's pizza rolls? We cut yeah. that part out <laughs> yeah. of the movie, essentially, by yeah. the way, with all that food. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh I was God. wondering that because you were saying all this food that was cooked and I'm like, no. I don't want to bring it up because it sounds like she really worked hard on this, but oh, no, I don't remember. It's fine. <laughs> food on this yeah no. you can see comrade carl sort of casually <laughs> eating some food at the buffet but there's actually oh, a yeah. scene where where dale dinkle is shoving food into his face yeah and then we realized like seeing him before he rushed on the stage was ruining that moment like you don't want to see him at the gala at all it wants to feel like he didn't attend until the moment that he bum rushes the stage so all of that hard work <laughs> was not for naught because i ate a lot of those pizza rolls yeah. it was they were really great <laughs> um, on the upside though that six hours of just like frozen food cooking and shifts in jim's parents kitchen who were like please what are you doing through like the late hours of the morning was so traumatic i was like fine with it going from the film i was like i don't need to look at another frozen food ever again in my life so it's fine that we cut it listen allison is somebody who's been on many film sets it's a fine line between set dressing and craft service so i'm sure it went to good use it was all good it's a fine line between producing yeah. and craft service when you're making an indie you're that line's yeah. very thin yeah yeah um Oh, God. Two weekends in upstate New York. And I don't mean like the Catskills. Bless your heart if you think the Catskills <laughs> is upstate New York. I mean like any further north than you're Canadian. And it was like, like so we're way up there. This is my like summer uh, town as a, as a high schooler and as a kid. And we still go up there when the world's not ending and all that stuff. I, we called in every favor we could. So we basically filmed for free in every single location and every single spot. And we were like, how do we get a permit to film up at the top of the hill at the lake? And they were like, a permit? Just You just put your camera in. Yeah, just film. go. Uh, you know, and we got all the extras for free. All that stuff is amazing. And the town was amazing. But we probably traveled up. Allie, how many people uh, for weekend one? It was. I honestly can't remember which weekend is first. For weekend one, it was probably like 40 people. Right. I think one was like 35 and the other one was like 50 or something. It was like, yeah, a it almost doubled for weekend yeah. two. And we, my parents cabin that sleeps like six, we put like 16 people into it. I came home at the end of the day that night that you were, that was the second weekend that you were doing the Tostinas pizza rolls. Those <laughs> nights, I've never been so tired ever in my entire life yeah. ever and my friend ian gave me amazing advice going into it he sh was shooting a movie on the west coast himself at the time and he was like it doesn't have to be fun it will be fun when it's over <laughs> uh he was like just keep going and it really was like that it was so hard it was so hard it was there were moments of like great feeling and like fun oh yeah and then immediately like the next moment back into the chaos there was euphoria in the middle of that weekend like because yeah. we were literally going shot after shot after shot after shot so if you get a shot and it works great and it looks great you're on cloud nine and then someone reminds you that you're either like six hours behind schedule or you're ahead of schedule you go into the next shot and and Oh my God. One morning we crushed this whole shoot in weekend one. It was so good. And I was like, my God, we we're soaring. And we went into lunch and I was feeling amazing. And it was Sunday. So I was like, we're almost through weekend one. We're getting it. 
And Matt and Zach came up to me and they were like, we have to talk to you. Yeah, that was a traumatizing day. I hate this story so much. I love it now because the movie's done. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we have to talk to you. And I was like, okay. I had like the mac and cheese bowl in my hand from craft services. And they were like, um, we lost all the footage from this morning. And I was like, that's not funny. Like some jokes are funny and some jokes aren't funny. And that, But I was certain they were kidding. And then like, terrible news is the only saving grace is that terrible news is never in the moment terrible because someone is always like i know a guy in new york he saves footage he can get stuff off of cleared cards i won't go into how we lost the footage we lost the footage uh, it wasn't like lens cap on it was like once everything had been shot the media management got fucked up and so you're like, okay, I'm sure we'll get it back. But we second weekend had to reshoot that whole morning. And oh, was man. like things like that. Zach got shingles. Holy Lord. Wait, uh, it was, wait, it was a lot. Yeah, that, yeah, that's probably what gave the stress of that. Probably that moment specifically. The Monday morning after we, I think I can say this. The Monday morning after we shot, we're back in New York. Zombies and trying to figure out how to find this footage. And I think Zach said he put on Celtic women and went under his desk at his work and just like curled up into a ball because it was like so hard. And he, he ended up getting shingles from the stress of uh, the first weekend of shooting. And I mean, that night, Sunday night, one of the cast members hit a deer, like literally uh, driving back from yeah. Canada, New like York. Like I said, it's not over until everybody gets home safe. Yeah, I mean, literally everything you can imagine that is hard. They were fine. And thank God. They were fine. They were totally The deer was fine? The deer ran away, right? I don't know. I don't think it ran. I'm from <laughs> Pennsylvania. The deers always live. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The deers are always in better shape than the cars, right? Yeah. It was Hercules who hit the deer. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that he was guy. Fun. He's a saint with, of a With human. his bicep? Yeah. yeah, with his giant dick. Uh, <laughs> uh. Oh, I was going to say with that booming voice, but that's fine too. Jim, can I ask you a question? Yes. So you don't want okay. me to just meander about the traumatic experience? <laughs> I love it. It's I'm having so much fun, <laughs> but I do want to get this out. I already asked all everything I had for her because you took an hour and a half to get here. So I just have questions. Wasn't it an 8.30 start? Am I insane? That was Chris's no. fault. It was, it's 8. <laughs> I sent you an email that said 8, but oh. he told you 8.30 first, but you're fine. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. You're good. No, no, no. No, uh, it's uh, we. I can take the blame. I'm married. I'm used to that. <laughs> we so decided to switch it because we thought it'd be cool to do it. We thought it'd be better to do it earlier rather than later, but it doesn't matter. We're fine with it if you're fine with it. But I wanted to ask you, you said of The Office in an interview that I found with you that you just love the way that it takes the mundane and makes it feel amazing. Mm. And I found it interesting because Zero Issue takes the amazing and makes it feel mundane. Was that at all an intentional choice? Oh, my God. This is why I love you guys. That is... <laughs> Amazing. That's so cool. I mean, the intentional... He said that slogan, so you put it on the poster, and then you have to pay him. That's what he thinks. I've tried to tell him that's not true. Taking it, no please. take backs. Taking it, no take backs. I learned everything from James Lipton, so... <laughs> everything I've learned since James Lipton is how to change just enough words of that sentence that we won't have to pay you anything. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. I, I think that's a wonderful view of the final product of it. I think the intention going in was to make it feel real and real to our experience. And I mean, you guys touched on this, but the starting point was mapping it to filmmaking and to the arts and to 
uh, our experience at festivals, at film festivals. And so you go into that being like, well, in 48 hours, we'll have a deal with HBO. And re in reality, you are with everybody like you just kind of scraping once you get in there. And uh, so I, I think it can't help but cause that kind of transformation that you're seeing because we were like, all right, we want to make a movie about superheroes and we want to make a movie about ourselves because we're full of ourselves. And we want to, uh, you know, we want to make it feel real to our experience and making it feel real brought it down, took that kind of craziness and brought it down. And the that logic jump, I don't think is that big a jump. Like it, it's crazy in the Marvel universe, the superheroes, right? They're so prevalent and so stitched together. And they're like all fighting in Hell's Kitchen, New York. Like they're all in the big time. But like, no, if once you accept that, which is for all of us now, weirdly, not that big a leap. Like, okay, it's a superhero world. Cool. I buy it. Like, it's only natural that there's just going to be grassroots losers struggling with okay powers to kind of make it to the big time. So that's why that happened. Yeah, there's got to be a minor league to make it to yeah, the major. Exactly. Type of thing. Yeah. You kind of just touched on it now, but I was kind of curious, can we, I want to kind of do like a zero issue for zero issue. Okay. Where did the, like who came up with the kernel of this idea? How did this kind of come along to get to where it is now, which is a, a finished product? We were doing that sketch show. We, which by the way, the sketch show is called the New York picture company sketch show. And it's on YouTube still. It's, I think it's a, like a total of 12 episodes or so. And honestly, most of them I'm proud of. Most of them I think are like really funny and kind of hold up. But the only thing that's ridiculous is that we didn't do anything with like YouTube or the internet in mind. We just kind of made what we thought was funny. And we had realized that at this point. We were like, okay, we're not going to be famous doing this because it takes us six months to put out one sketch. Warning, red flag. That should have been to all of us. Uh, but we were like, it takes us too long to do a 10-minute sketch. So uh, let's take our time and make a movie and then we were like, that was what we agreed on. Literally just that. And then uh, Zach brought out index cards and homework assignments. And we watched films. We talked about like how we liked things to start. And we talked about what kind of whatever. So we like literally filled out maybe 20, 30 plots of possible movies that we thought we might want to make. And in the end, we were like, well... I kind of want to make the sort of movie ourselves that we want someone like we want someone to see this and then hire us to make that kind of movie. Like, let's make the kind of movie that we want to go off and make. And we want to make either The Office, Christopher Gass, just kind of mockumentary style movie, or we want to make Marvel superhero movies or Star Wars. So uh, we smashed them together. And around that time, and I'm going to get as inspecific as I can, we saw something personal that reminded us of from someone that we found to be sort of Dale Dinkle-ish. And that was right around the time we had made that exact decision. And we were sort of like, it was sort of light bulby then at that point. And then we divided up roles because we were like, we can't all do all things or this will never get done. So we decided Matt would write it, that I would direct it and Zach would EP it. And Zach is a great actor, so Zach was also going to have a strong role in it. Matt was never supposed to be in it, 
and I was probably not going to be in it either. And then it's, we were going to go after like every big star we could, but it became really apparent that we would have to shoot for like 14, 15 hour days, like non-union conditions, abusive styles. And at the time we were like, what if we need pickups? What if we need voiceover? What if we, which we did at some point. So we were like, okay, actually Matt's perfect for Dale. And Matt is an amazing actor who doesn't act. And so we, I always have always taken joy out of trying to shove him in there. And that's how that happened. But that's zero issue, zero issue. By then, roles were divided. Uh, log line was sort of figured out. We were going to make it about the whole festival. Matt wrote a first script about the whole festival. There's an amazing documentary now episode called A Man, A Town, A Gangster, I think is the, the title of it. And it's about the Al Capone Gangster Festival in... Uh, Reykjavik and it's do you guys know documentary now it's so good. I know it I haven't seen that episode but I know the show I only know it because I've seen you talk about this on another interview <laughs> oh Christ almighty yeah I mean I just thought of it now because it's been so long since we were in the ideation phase of this thing but the first script Matt wrote mapped to that episode and so we had just as an exercise and we had so many characters Literally, if you felt like we had a lot of characters in the final movie, we had double that and they were all the stars of the movie and it was a mess. So we were like, it has to be about one person. Trump got elected. We made it about Dale. And uh, that informed that as well. And then that was kind of, that's its full zero issue, I think. And then after that, it starts to take the shape that it mostly is with a couple characters changing here and there and getting cut here and there. I want to say as well, since we brought up some of the other stuff uh, you and the guys have worked on, I am in fucking love with the cooking for one with the crying chef is one of the fucking funniest things I have ever seen in my entire life. Thank you, man. Yeah. And there's it's a, so good. There's a second season of that that never saw the light of day oh my like, God. because of these damn festivals. We went to a festival with it and we were told by everybody there, like, don't release it. Don't release it because you can sell it if you don't release it. And mm. it won a couple awards at this festival. It's great. The second season begins with her adopting a pet lobster and then having to kill it. But she knows <laughs> that she doesn't want to kill her pet and she knows herself so she gets a second one that she refuses to name and all this shit and then when the time comes she accidentally kills her <laughs> lobster her own lobster <laughs> instead <laughs> and the oh god it was really a fun show i think the first episode of that first season the thanksgiving one is like a master class in every piece of making a comedy short film of like even down to the editing like the shots that are like zoomed in on the audio that they choose to use and stuff like of her just like weeping over like a shot of potatoes it's like so good thank you man yeah that was that was cool that was a fun sketch and that was probably the most successful sketch we had ever done mm. uh, that was an exciting one because we released it two nights before thanksgiving and um jezebel wrote about it like immediately and then we got a call from good morning america that they wanted to like feature it and then they ended up not but like in that one moment it felt like that scene in that thing you do where they're like running around and turning on their radios and we're like this is it we did it we did like it's but it was fun it was fun to make something people liked that's like really the most fun part can it go back to zero issue because you guys talked about the stress of making the the film and the whole process and and all these different hiccups and everything that happened so i'm curious the day you know you shoot for that second weekend actually i'll even go further you get done with the editing and everything like that like the film is a done film the next day after that 
what does it feel like when you're like, oh, fuck, there's nothing. There's nothing to do. Allie, what do you think it feels like? I won't lie. I didn't have that moment because right after we did that, like Zach and I basically sat down and he was like, and this is when our work starts. And I was like, great. So like there was no <laughs> point for me because a lot of it now is sending it to podcasts to talk about and festivals whenever they reopen again and that kind of stuff. So my mind right now is about how to get more and more people to see it. And not only people who love comic books and superheroes, but people like myself who will become converts to the genre from our film. But I think, so for me, I will let you know when that feeling kicks in. (laughs) Because I'm still sending Jim like texts and emails as though I'm still in production, like at random throughout the day being like, I just redrafted this thing. Can you look at it? And I added this to the list and also whatever. And I'm like, Jim is probably out living his life now. Not quite in in the same mode I'm in. It's in this chair in this room. It's, it, it just looks like this. No, I, 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 there's part of that that rings really true. I mean, we have put it on YouTube because no festivals are full and open right now. And we, I think that that opening night kind of feeling will come then. I think when we get in a festival and we watch it in a movie theater with people and we hear people reacting in a movie theater, I think that that is still the feeling we're chasing. But I will say, essentially, we were very close, really close for over a year, where like we really thought it was just another couple of tweaks. And we had a couple of problems that we couldn't overcome. There was some color correction issues we couldn't quite get done with a couple of graphics, kind of normal stuff. Few graphics were baked in. We couldn't kind of separate the files, different things that are complicated and that when everybody, everyone who worked on this movie was incredibly talented and incredibly giving of their time, even those who were paid, because honestly it was compared to their talents. It was just enough for us to try to be like, we respect you. Like it wasn't enough to actually cover more than a week of their time. Not even for most of these people in the rates they would normally demand. So our editor, AJ and Adam is running the graphics and Derek who's coloring and Josh who was doing sound there were all these little small things getting in the way of it being done. And finally, with coronavirus hitting and grinding everything sort of fully to a halt, we sort of rallied the troops to get all the last little elements. A few of these people had already been wrapped out of the movie and AJ put together the final edit of the movie. And I took that and colored a couple of frames uh, that just weren't quite there still. And they're not great. Those couple of frames, they're not great, but they're, they're done. And then Josh delivered that final audio and we really sort of mashed it together. We put it on YouTube and I messaged the guys and I was like, it's done. It's done and it has to be done. Like I can't, it can't not be done any longer. And we literally sent our Kickstarter backers all an email at about 6 p.m. or 6.30 p.m. on a Friday night. And we said, in an hour, we're putting it up and we're putting it on Zoom and anybody who wants to join us may. We did that on purpose because we were afraid. You know, we were like, it was so much. Four years is such a long time. And to be like, we got in trouble. There were several people close to us who were like, we want to celebrate this with you guys. And you gave us 45 minutes to pull it together. We couldn't make it. And I was also one of those people, by the way. Yeah. This was not a plan I signed off on. Yeah. On this. But I mean, I'm just being honest. It's too scary at some point. And we were just like, we need it out but we also want an opening night so matt 
Zach and I and our, uh, you know, Emily and Sarah and Carolyn, our loving partners, we sat down with some champagne and stuff and like uh, Brad, our DP came in and then some, some friends and cast members we had not seen in two years since we wrapped or longer. Uh, and my mom like all zoomed in and we all went, okay, three, two, one, and hit play at the same time on our TVs and just sort of experienced the movie together in this Zoom. And that was pretty close to like, oh my God, it's done. And after that, it felt, I don't know, because there hasn't been like an opening night, opening night thing. I had to be reminded, like my wife, Carolyn, had to be like, it's over. Like, are you happy? It's over. And it was more like a weight leaving like a big heavy weight kind of leaving me as opposed to like anything else. And now I'm caught up to what Ali's saying where I'm like, okay, now let's get some people to see this movie. Also the Zoom thing was kind of the perfect weird version for us all to see it as like a group of people, at least from my experiences, obviously different than other people's, but like so many of my memories attached to this is like, A, just like feeling chaos. Cause I was telling them before, I asked you to get coffee and wound up working on a film like I did like she was so thrown into it so like there was something fun about that but also like so much of it was just like me sitting in a room with the three of you like listening to you talk about stuff so for me like getting to really see it in full again after the edit was over with the three of you and your like little zoom squares being weird was kind of great. So it's funny, Jim, that you bring up the screening that you guys ended up doing, the sort of pseudo premiere, because one of the other quotes that I have from you from another interview is one that I really like, and it's, we're going to have a really awesome screening because we can control that. Yep. And I like that, like, it turns out you can't, and it didn't fucking stop you. <laughs> oh, man, we went to movie theaters, right, Allie? And yeah. we we scouted movie theaters and we got pricing and we were like, we're gonna make sure everybody has a bag of popcorn and all of this shit. And that was June of last year that that was supposed to happen. And it's hard. There's so much about what's going on right now in the world uh, that backs this up, but like hard to make plans, hard to count on anything. And you just, it, you got to keep adapting. You have to adapt constantly if you're going to make a movie. I mean, with anything, as we're all learning, but if you're going to make a movie, you just have to be like, well, that didn't work out. All right, let's try this. Oh, that's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, oh, I think we're guaranteed to get into a festival in upstate New York in October. Oh, that festival isn't happening. Cool. Like, it's just kind of a constant, you just have to like constantly roll with it. It's crazy. How excited is your wife to not have to talk about this anymore? Oh, man. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I, I feel the time almost immediately, but yeah. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's happy. She's proud of it, too, though. I mean, she's great in the movie. She really she is. plays the Iron Yang. And she's she's really funny. And Sarah, who plays the immortal Mr. Yang, is very <laughs> funny. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Zach and the kind of person he is, Sarah had never seen the movie at all yeah. until that Zoom. And Carolyn had seen yeah. it about 200 times. Like every time we had a new cut, I was like, sit down. We got to watch the movie They're again. so funny. So, um, yeah, she's proud. of. She's like proud of it in a way that I think I'm just tired and done. She's proud of it for me, which is very cool. Jim, what are your like, I already asked Allie this before you got on. So I want to ask you too. What is your like movie or TV show or book or comic or whatever you have that you're like, this is a thing that no one appreciates for what it is. Look at this thing. I want everyone to know how great this is. Not like for you, but like as an inspiration, not something you've made, but like, 
Like, is there a movie that you're like, no, you don't understand, guys. This is it. This is the thing. That's a really good question. In other interviews, I've heard you talk like that. All the other ones are like comic book podcasts and we kind of are. But like, yeah. you know, who, yeah, yeah. who, who reads? Uh, so we uh, I've heard you talk a lot about Game of Thrones. You mentioned the X-Men TV show on another thing. So, like, I want to know, like, what is what is your geek nerd thing? Yeah, you want like some vinyls, some like deep cut kind of things, you know? Um, sure. Go for it. Sure. Okay, so for a comedy movie, the original British Death at a Funeral is one of the <laughs> greatest dark comedies I think ever made. I think it's so good. I actually haven't thought about it or watched it in at least 10 years, but I think <laughs> it is. It. So, well, it's funny because you ask it and all I can trust is like what pops into my mind as you're asking this question. <laughs> it, it stars uh, a bunch of Brits that you would recognize when you saw them, you know, and Peter Dinklage, who's amazing in it. And um, it is so sad and so funny. Alan Tudyk, is he in that one? Or is that the I other I think one? they're all in it. If they're British yeah. and they've acted, they're in it. Yeah, wait, is he the... Okay, so you can cut this out where I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But is he the redhead guy? Which one is he? Oh, no. If he doesn't do it for me, he's not going to do it for you. Okay? Oh, okay, good. Uh, I think he sits naked on a house. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so good. It's so it's so sweet and sad and funny. Um, and it's so, so good. And with superhero-y or comic booky stuff, that's trickier because everyone... Like the real world of that, I'm just a fan of that stuff. <laughs> the like aficionados of that, there's nothing that they don't know and appreciate. You know what I mean? So it's kind of um, it's kind of tricky. And I am, I think, unapologetically basic. And I try to find the good in things that are huge and blockbustery. So the final season of Game of Thrones that everyone shits on, I agree, the ending not so great. But episode three is the best episode of television I've ever seen in my life. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that I actually do think that season does not get enough credit when people shit on it. I'm like, I don't know what exactly you were thinking was going to happen in the end, but for me, it actually ended the way that it is meant to end. Every single character completes their journey the way it, they had to complete their journey. You thought it was meant to end with a Starbucks cup on the floor? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's evolution at work, okay? Isn't that amazing? How does that happen? How? Wasn't there something else, like someone had a watch or a water bottle or something? It was a water bottle, was it? In yeah, a water room? bottle. Yeah. There should be a law that you can't fix that later. Yeah. That, oh, has yeah. To, that should be a part of it forever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it make you feel good as a filmmaker when you hear stories like that and you're like, well, they're fucking up like that, then it's fine. It's yes. Fine. And when you see the credits roll and you're like, wow, that's a lot, a lot of, people of people to leave a coffee cup yep. in the middle of that. See shot. all those so, people? Not one of them saw it. That immediately makes me think there's there's some intern on that production who was always told to shut up, who was always told not to talk because someone saw that and didn't say anything. There's yeah. no way yep. no one saw it. Um, except I didn't see it. I I was like just diving into the episode. You know, some people should have died, though, in that fight uh, at Winterfell. I'm sorry. Do but... you mean characters or people who worked on the show? Yeah, real human beings that worked on the show shouldn't have made it out. <laughs> okay, just like, you know, go down with your ship. No. <laughs> just to have a sense of realism, you should kill a couple extras. <laughs> yeah. Like what yeah. made that television watching experience so dramatic was you were just like, not everyone's getting out of this. And the episode that led up to it, too, you were like, not right. everybody's getting and and then most of them did get out of it and that you know 
Yeah, that's that's a little bit too bad. But I'm not going to shit on it because I won't. I just Except won't. that you just did. No, I will. I will. Ne- <laughs> that was some other guy. Yeah, I. I um, yeah, I'm pretty basic. I like. I I support <laughs> you in this. You and I will always have each other for this. Beautiful. If anyone starts to shit on it, you can call me. Good, amazing. I I will defend the Phantom Menace. I will sit here. I think I get where you're coming from too. That like. I get where you're coming from, but from the same time, like, I'm like, oh, man, The Phantom Menace, I'm always the person who's like, you're wrong, that movie's terrible to everyone. But I actually get where you're coming from on this. Like, just the amount of money and effort that was put into that film, it can't be bad. Like, the sheer spectacle of it is worth the ticket price or worth watching it on TV or whatever. Right. So in in quarantine, we've had uh, Zach and and Matt and I and our wives and a, a few of our friends have had a bad movie club. So there are like truly bad movies out there. Um, a talking cat? Question mark. That's a bad movie. Uh, like I've seen that. Yeah. It is a bad so movie. They do exist. Uh, is that the title? Yes. Yes. And I have to tell you about punctuation. Yes. Yes. I have to tell you about something. It's a rough movie, but the opening credits. We laughed. I laughed harder during the opening credits of A Talking Cat than anything I ever make in my entire life will ever make anyone laugh. Did you make it through the whole movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I tapped out. I think you pronounced the title wrong because it's, it's, you said it's A Talking Cat, yeah. but it's A Talking Cat yeah. is the name of that well, movie, yeah, the, right? Em- the emphasis okay, should be on talking, right? Or should it be on cat? Well, it should be a question, yeah, right? It's, a question. it's got a question well, mark. At I said a talking so like, cat question mark. By the way, just to clarify, because I'm I'm looking at it right now, it, the exact title is a talking cat exclamation point question mark exclamation point. Oh my god! So you have to yell it. Yeah, that sounds about right. That really sounds. <laughs> I was going right. to ask too. Have you seen Hudson Hawk? Do you know that film? No, no but it can go right on the list. Yeah, you should look that one up. It's an early Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah, yeah. It's Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello discover that the Vatican is a secret government organization that uses crosses to communicate like mm-hmm. intercoms. Yep. They have stolen it is. some sort of device from Da Vinci mm-hmm. and now murderous psychopaths are stealing it back so that they can use his like <laughs> mechanics to become immortal or something. And it's up to Bruce Willis, who's just like a regular schlub to save the world. It's a documentary. <laughs> you know that Bruce Willis thinks Dan yeah. Brown stole this idea from their movie. This is my other thing on basics really quick. On like the Phantom Menace or Game of Thrones or the la- the last Star Wars movie that everyone hated, like across the board, it seems like. Like, I don't know how people who loved the force awakens and hated uh the last jedi but loved the last Jedi. like every the people who hated the last jedi and the people who loved the last jedi actually agree on disliking this final movie which i can't understand how that's possible because that it's they're you're two fundamentally different kind of movie goers but the phantom menace no matter how much people dislike it can't take away from me how happy it made me when i was what like 13 and the way that this star wars movie ended which was like i will grant you kind of clunky doesn't really take away from what the experience of these three movies of this story kind of ending and it coming back like gave to me like it was such a positive experience overall so i feel like yeah like i feel like it's hard to condemn shit out of hand because it misses the mark because uh movies are hard (laughs) they're like really hard to make well Uh, and the bigger and the badder and the more fans and the more people are into it uh yeah they're they just get more and more impossible so i try to find stuff that's good to like about the stuff that people make 
You're a better man than I. <laughs> I have one last question for you, Jim. And that question is, on the set of Zero Issue, who was the worst actor to work with and why was it Matt? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should have. There's this act. There's this great actor, Andrew Dunn, that we should have called to play that role. It would have fixed a lot of problems. Thank you. That's what I've been saying. Why was it Matt? Matt was. I got shingles that weekend, so I wouldn't have been able to do it. Oh, you would have been in good company. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Uh, Matt was great. I wish I could tell you that he. He. The, the thing. The thing that makes Matt terrible is that he will tell you he was terrible. Like the thing that makes Matt terrible is he'll spend a lot of time being like, oh man, that's just no, or whatever. Uh, but he's great. He was, he's actually. Yeah, he was so good at you three. I was actually going to say a real question because you all three work so well together. What is it like working with like people, you know, you work well with and who you trust with like ideas that you can like bounce stuff off, like the same dudes over and over again. And on something finally now this that are like. You all have the a similar sense of humor. Like, is there is there any one thing that's like, oh, Zach is the guy to go to for like, I don't I don't know what this joke is doing, and like it's for like Zach would be better for that, or like I'm gonna go to Matt for this, or like how is there a routine that you guys all do? Yes, he wants to know what it's like to work with someone that you work well with because he hasn't had that experience yeah. yet. Yeah, hey, hang on, I'm uh, I'm getting rid of Chris on this. Where's that button? <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Just mute that out. <laughs> well, it takes a lot of time. Like, so Zach and I have known each other since high school, and Matt, Zach, and I have known each other since college, and we are arguably too close to one another to work together this much and this closely. We fight. I mean, honestly, we fight. We fight like brothers. We really, we bring our sensibilities from the world into it. We trusted each other in terms of what our roles were on the movie. I think we always were sort of like, well, Matt wrote the script. So Matt was always like, well, Zach is my boss. He's the executive producer on this. What he says goes. The method usually becomes, honestly, Matt and I bickering over what we think is best. And then we turn to Zach and he solves it. And if Matt and I agree, Zach 100% of the time is like, that's the correct thing then. (laughs) So that is like really the method by which we've worked. And like... I think that's like when we notice it, but I think subconsciously, I mean, it was just, I've spent a really long time trusting Matt and Zach with my creative life. And I think I trust Zach. If you ask like, what's like the lane sort of, Zach is very funny. Like he is like sneaky funny, um, but he is not the one who's like trying to make jokes most of the time. I trust Zach as an audience member so much to be like this is what works as an audience and he he has a nice sort of bigger picture look at it and i trust him as a calmer mind kind of and i think that matt if i can make matt laugh it's been a good day for me and matt makes me laugh i think more than anybody else on the planet i just think he's funny and he gets how to like make me Uh, lose my shit and like do the kind of laughing where I can't breathe and like I start crying like he actually is one of the few people that can make me laugh like that and so I think when I get to him and when he gets to me that's when it's sort of like subconsciously working at its at its best yeah but most of the time we're fighting if that's (laughs) less true than I think you guys think it is I mean from the outside too like walking into the room with the three of you you guys so clearly have a rhythm and what I think is really interesting from like the outside perspective working with you guys as a team is like all three of you have such a distinct sense of humor and also like roles creatively on the project. 
And what's really like amazing to see is you all stick to that and also are constantly going to each other for feedback and input for the things they're technically supposed to be staying out of. So I think it does, as much as there are debates that occur, I think there's also like a ton of mutual respect that builds from like, you are the expert of this lane, but also I'm gonna, you're gonna check with me on on different things. It's like a very weird slapstick comedy ballet of three of you working, which is fun. Yeah, at some point we melded our brains into one. So it's, we're sort of like, <laughs> it's like watching one person who's probably who probably needs some therapy but like watching one person work things out you wouldn't think there would be so much bickering with one hive mind <laughs> yeah it's because we because we can't agree on who's queen bee or whatever that that is but yeah all right i want to ask you both this question to wrap up uh, i'll start with jim what do you have coming up what's next on on your docket if anything yeah um i I'm proud of the work that I'm doing at Comedy Central right now. It's really cool. We are figuring we're going to be out of the office for a while. Production is going to be remote for a while. And so I've had to learn uh, over the past month how to direct people over Zoom. How to, uh, my DP has had to learn how to teach them to set up their own lights and cameras. And that's fun. And real quick, what do you do at Comedy Central? So I'm a director and a producer there for the digital team, which is now the kind of the only team in town in a way which is sort of cool uh meaning by that there's many amazing teams at comedy central that work very hard meaning that like everything's digital now you know specifically i work with something called the creators program which is a bunch of comedians each year that are like in a fellowship basically for the year there and i get to help them develop their ideas and shoot their ideas so we're finally starting to figure out okay if you guys aren't going to get to come into comedy central what are we going to make that's still going to be like fun and exciting they have awesome ideas and so there's that. I just directed uh, the 10th season of Stop the Bleeding, a really fun web series uh, that you guys should check out. And, and uh, we wrote a movie for this year that I was so excited to be on a movie that I knew would get made in six months. And uh, that got canceled because of coronavirus. So uh, they called me up and I wrote a pivoted and wrote a 10 episode season. And we just did all of those remotely. And I've got a Star Wars podcast coming out which I'm very excited about oh, called wow. Yubnub. Oh, very and good. It is, yep. uh, we're billing it as a Star Wars podcast for people who actually like Star Wars, uh, since so much <laughs> of it seems to be people complaining these days. That's so funny. I have said over and over again on this show that no one hates Star Wars as much as Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, it's like Yankee fans. So it is, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Has, it. has it launched yet or is it you guys have not? No, we're, we are... A, a, a busy three folks, it's myself and a, a guy named Tim and a guy named Greg, who are uh, great, very, very funny writers, have uh, worked on Tonight Show and stuff like that, um, and Colbert. So it's a cool group of guys that I'm just sort of excited to be in the room with and talk about our geeky fandom. And uh, we're slowly trying to bank enough episodes that we can put them out because I envy your guys's rhythm and ability to do this and Don't. find a way to do it regularly. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't be anything. Do, yeah. Is there any kind of ETA on that? Uh, do you have any idea of when people should look for it? I think we'll probably pull together five or six episodes in the next couple of months and then release them regularly, like for a season. We want to do like season one, season two, that right. kind of thing and, and do it sort of. That's smart. Yeah, because I can't do what you guys are doing. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Neither can we. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm burning the candle at six different ends, but here we are. I often say that for Zero Issue, we just took the candle and 
threw it in a fireplace and we're like, look at that candle. Wow. That's not how they work. <laughs> that's amazing. Before we move to what Ali's doing, I wanted to say as well, you're also an actor at Comedy Central because I saw you hire a nice gentleman on a mask mints video. Oh, yes. And and if you check out this week, Poll Worker, a app for young people to work the polls so their grandparents don't die. It's uh, the newest dating <laughs> app that was just released this week on Comedy Central. Now that... Uh, we have to shoot everything with our own staff in the our own home. I may get to be in some more some more stuff, which would be fun. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so, Ali, what are you looking forward to getting drunk and becoming next? <laughs> um, it's an excellent question. I uh, will let you know by the end of next week. Um, I actually, I have, uh, I've been on, um, Jim knows this a little bit, but I've been on uh, a bit of a writing kick uh, since the quarantine. So I am doing readings pretty much every day next week to hear some stuff aloud. So I have three new plays, a pilot and a spec. And then I'm trying to wrap up post-production on the two short films I've been working on. And I've been in a couple of classes. So I have like 35 songs that I don't know what to do with. They're just floating out there. So I'm going to try to find a, a home for those in the next couple of months. I don't have kids though, so this is basically all I'm doing here. <laughs> Rub it in a little Sorry. bit. <laughs> yeah, wow. Allie is a prolific writer. Like she's got a new script. Whenever she's like, can you read a script? And I'm like, yeah, is it this one? And she's like, no, it's a new one. Every time, she's a prolific writer. And we, she- we talked a little bit about that before you got on uh, because her resume on her website is seven pages long. Um, the night of the Tostino pizza rolls, she wrote a movie that night. <laughs> I did. Before, I did. I'm, not, I'm not fucking kidding. I'm not kidding. She, and you've produced it's it. It's one of the ones got, in post. And it came out before our movie. <laughs> it's in post. Oh, it's, it's in post, post now. I thought, I thought it, it was seven pages. It's not out yet. It's not oh, out. God it's almighty. Not out. We're in post-production still. Oh, but yes. you finished it before we did. All right. We finished it, the edit. Before. It was basically done before we did our movie. She wrote, yeah. I, I don't, she is, that, that song in Hamilton about writing like you're running out of time is like how I feel about Ali. She, and, she, and she's amazing. She writes dialogue Thank almost you. better than anybody. So that's it's, very, it's, that was, yeah. I think yeah, that might great. be my favorite part about Seven Fishes is the first time it was run aloud. It was right after we wrapped shooting for Zero Issue and Zach and Matt came to, or uh, Zach and Jim came to it. And Jim was like, when did you write this? And I was like, on set. That's ridiculous. I wrote it. <laughs> wow. Sick. That's, there's a sickness. Um, this one. I don't remember writing it, to be honest. I don't remember those moments. It was an exhausting few days. <laughs> that must be great, though, because you woke up and had it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to trust the process, you know. There are so many little, small, specific pockets of weird things that happened while shooting that movie that one day we will all <laughs> get a drink and just discuss because there, there are some beautiful things that were said and done during that time. It I was cannot so bizarre. Wait. Yeah. I do want to say as well, before we, we end, that I loved working with both of you guys the one time that I that I got to and you were both extremely professional even a million years ago when that was it was so much fun this is somewhat personal but it was my mother passed away during the when we were doing that and Jim and Allie both were like you were both so trusting and comforting and it was exactly what I needed I remember Jim like I called you to let you know 
and you were like, take as much time as you want. If, if it's longer than the show, then we'll find someone else. If not, that's fine too. And I remember like a few days later, I called you and I was like, I want to do this. And you were like, are you sure? And when I said, yes, you were like, great, you're in like, it's as easy as that. And I remember like you sat down and talked with me on the steps at one point about it and made sure I was doing okay a little later. And it really meant a lot. And, uh, you're a great director. Ali, I remember you, there's a correct way to talk to people about what needs to be done. And every single time you did it, I was about to make a joke and be like, it was awful, but no, it was so <laughs> comforting. It was in a way that was like, you're going to, you're going to fix this. It wasn't like, Hey, this is what you did wrong, which some people have that attitude, but it was in a way that's like, we're all working together and this is what we all need to do to improve the thing that we're working on. And it was great. I have only good memories of that. Oh, Jim, where's the money that play won? Oh my God. I don't think I ever saw a dime of that. <laughs> we all used it to buy drinks that night. That's where the money went. <laughs> it wasn't that much money. It was a large cast. Yeah. It was a thousand dollars. Listen, all I remember there was is like I wanted to win show. so bad. Because and we did it. I didn't think it was going to happen. I know. Cause everyone <laughs> that we knew was in the play. It was like a 35 person yeah. cast and we were, a- it was a huge cast. Yeah. It was also like every, this is what I love about you as a director, Jim. Cause I was also going to bring up when we were in, Oh, for anyone who doesn't know Jim and Chris and I all went to school together. <laughs> That's how we know each other. But I remember when we were in school and you did, I don't even remember like that something, something, the moon, that famous play that like everyone does a monologue from where the guy's like, I tried to kill myself and the train broke down or whatever. What is that play? That's the, that's the title I also remember is something, something the moon. I swear <laughs> yeah. to God, I don't remember. But I remember being like, man, he really got every, like all the best actors in his class are in this scene and it's incredible. And I felt the same way about the show that we worked on together. And I was like, every single person in this is an all-star. Every single person is the best person to well, do that. That included you, Andrew. It was awesome. Oh, you were amazing in it you. and everybody yeah. gelled together. It was really fun. And you never cast me in anything again. That was one of the last plays I ever directed. Oh, yeah, you're right. It really was. That's true. Yeah, I, I was like, I'm going out on this. <laughs> and then I was an assistant uh, for life until Zero Issue when, oh, boy, you saw it. So it was pretty much pretty much stuffed with Matt and then uh, very specific folks for very specific roles. But It was very similar vibes yeah. of like 900 people there was so many yeah. people such a complicated thing to do on both those pieces both of you your hard work on the short paid off thank it's you it's excellent everyone should go watch it even though i don't think we spoiled anything so i think we're good if you watch this and haven't seen yeah, it yet, i think so you're good just I, go watch I, everybody it. who watches it leave a comment and say something nice and, and I'll just believe that it's how you felt <laughs> that's the way the internet works when you ask people to comment things that are nice yeah be nice internet yeah um, I am editing a family reunion video that's due tomorrow, so I'm going to close the computer. <laughs> that sounds and way go. more fun. So you're good. Oh, oh, yeah, oh that's right. You have a family reunion tomorrow. Yeah, Ali has to write something, I believe. So she probably <laughs> she already yeah. did. She wrote three plays so, while we were doing while this. We were doing this. <laughs> but wait, I want to say very quickly one more time. I think I said in the beginning, you guys just gave i know ali i think feels the same way uh you gave us a tremendous gift by watching our movie and thinking about it and thinking about it critically and enjoying it it's just awesome it's so great and this is such a great show that you guys are doing too it's really fun thank you for having us on it yeah absolutely thank you again. no thank you so much i mean listen at the end of the day first of all it was our pleasure to be able to watch it but also you know we're two guys who are sitting here 
we make a thing talking about the other stuff that people have made, but you guys made a thing. So we are infinitely more grateful for that. And whenever, you know, someone has the gumption to, to just go out and put something out there, that is always incredible. So it should always be celebrated. So you, there's no thanks necessary. It was our, absolutely our pleasure to talk about it. Good. Well, I feel the love. This is good. Thanks, Chris. The real question is, how the hell are you going to wedge yourself into our next episode? That's the real question. Because you've done it like three. I'm three a runner episodes. now. I apparently text you on a Thursday night. Yeah. <laughs> a running gag now. That's, that's the real question. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. Thank you both so much for coming. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you both. And uh, I miss you both dearly. Keep doing great art. And, I, you know, someone was talking to me the other day about... Um, Oh, that, Jesus like, Christ. How, no, shut up. how do I mute Chris? Someone was talking to me about the, like, how is, how are the arts? I keep seeing, you've probably seen them too. There's like, how are the arts going to make a comeback? How is theater going to come back from this? It's going to be so difficult. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's going to be different, but nothing is going to stop art ever. Right. So thank you guys for continuing yeah. to do that. I look forward to see what you're both working on in the future and uh, have a good night. Amen. Thank you guys. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Hey. hey all we right did it. we did do a thing that's amazing that was awesome it's so much fun that was really that was a lot of fun that was so good that was so good uh oh actually uh hey andrew yeah hey andrew yeah. hey andrew yeah. hey andrew yeah. hey andrew yeah, hey, andrew. yeah. Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play Music. You can also find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Media Lunch Break. Uh, I got a notification that Google Play Music will not be working soon. Cool. It, well, it's going to switch to Google Podcasts. I think we'll just be over there. Okay. But I'm going to have to change it in my sheet when that happens. <laughs> or else you'll keep plugging it as Google Play. Yeah. I'll yeah. be like, you can find us on record players. You can find us on the old boob tube. You can get a copy at Tower Records. Yep. And you can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We've got a contest going on on Instagram right now. It's going to be almost over, but you can run through and, and sort of uh, do it retroactively. You can backtrack and put in your thing because it's every single day there's stuff. But you can go to the first day and just like put in your thing. It's guessing screenshots, what movies they're from. So do that. You can win a shout out on the show and you can even win a mystery box. Uh, delivered to your residence anywhere in the continental United States for free. Uh, you can also find us on youtube.com slash the media lunch break. You can become a patron. Uh, and we just sort of shit talked being patrons because of how difficult it is earlier in the show today. But forget that. This is a new era. And that's <laughs> patreon.com slash the media lunch break. You can send us an email at the media lunch break at gmail.com. You can visit our website, which is the media lunch you should rate and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Uh, a big shout out to our favorite patron, Julie. Maybe we'll get her Thanks, sometime. Julie. Who we may be doing a project with, it looks like. So that'll be fun. Mm. I don't know that we're at liberty to talk too much about it yet because uh, it's not out yet. And I'm not on the marketing team, so I don't know how to do that. But <laughs> it'll be something we're both doing separately. But it will be for a project that she's doing. We'll definitely let you all know about that when that happens. Special shout out to the New York Picture Company. Yes. To everyone who worked on Serious Issue. To Ali Keller, Jim Fagan. They're great, man. They're fantastic. They're great people. They're hard workers, as you can tell by how hard they worked on this fucking monster of a short. Right. It's funny, too, because we, we saw a 30-minute fun short. And I, the whole time, was like, wow, those effects must have taken a long time. 
And that wasn't even really brought up once in the discussion. It was all about how fucking hard. No, I can't believe yeah. the footage was lost. Yeah. This is such a wild ride. We're going to have to do an episode about this episode because, like, I'm so right. amazed by the things they talked about. Yeah. I, I, all I kept thinking is, like, every time they told the story of how difficult it was and another thing that they had to overcome and how hard they worked on it, I kept thinking, like, this is a half hour short. Yeah. Like imagine the effort, imagine the amount of love and time and, and energy they would put into like a full length. Well, imagine if one of our episodes took eight years right. is the math, I guess. Yep. If one of our episodes took eight years to make. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, it's incredible. And uh, the, I haven't gotten to work with either of them yet, but I'm going to assume, uh, Jim, that that's because, you know, you're just waiting for the perfect project to bring me on on. Chris, that, you know, you're too good. He's got to save you. I think that's what it is. That's what I was figuring. Like, they gotta, he has to rise up to my level. It might also be because he knows you as a director, and if he's going to hire a director for something, it's going to be him. Well, let me dissuade him of something, because they talked about how little they paid everybody. But, uh, Jim, I don't know how little you paid everyone, but whatever it was, Andrew and my rates are lower. Mine isn't. My rate is way lower. (laughs) Uh, yeah, after hearing all that crap, I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know that there's an amount of money you could pay me to do all that. Right. That's why I like stage theater. I like that he said that, like, I haven't done theater. That's why I haven't cast you in anything. And I was like, yeah, because I don't want to do film. <laughs> it looks really hard. That's why I like podcasting, because I don't have to leave my house. Yeah. Well, I like stage work, because, like, all I have to do is go there and put on my clothes, and then I someone shoves me out on stage and then I say the thing I've memorized. That's why I like podcasting because I don't even have to put on my clothes. Except now if we're going to keep, because I'm thinking if we, we might keep this up with the Zoom thing, the latency seems pretty good. But I'm not putting on clothes for you. I didn't before and I'm not going to now. <laughs> not going to start now. Yeah, let's get out of here. Check out the New York Picture Company. You can just Google them. They have a great Facebook page where they update all the time. But also, we're going to put up a splash page on our website with some of our favorite sketches, some more information, some links, if you want to check them out. I'm definitely putting the Crying Chef on there, and uh, I'll put the petition one that you really liked. We'll grab some of our favorites. We'll put Zero Issue up there, and uh, you guys can check them out. And that's going to be at themedialunchbreak.com slash NYPC. So, New York Picture Company. Awesome. Yeah. So, that'll be, again, that's uh, themedialunchbreak.com slash NYPC. Cool. Awesome. All right. That's going to that's gonna be it for this one. And uh, so, now we did a thing. See, look at that. They made a thing, and now we made a thing about them making that thing, and now there are two things in the world. Maybe they'll make a short about our podcast episode. A short about our podcast episode. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Andrew's head exploded. I really can't look... We can't do it with video because I do too many sight gags. The first, like, four jokes we made after Jim got here were sight gags, and it doesn't work in the podcast. No, it works. They get the idea. Oh, my God. It's theater of the mind. (laughs) End of podcast.